excited about today's message. Um, I don't think that I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've ever actually preached a sermon as long as I've been in ministry. I've talked about that. I know like usually that's what the uh, the church world is known for is talking about a sermon or preaching or whatever. Um, I don't think that um, I don't think that we get really any recognition for that. I can think of one time where I was up preaching in a chair in a Bible and we were attempting to understand younger I used to maybe this is because I was naive but now there's a lot of things that happen in between different airplanes I think it's because I'm older and I'm not as experienced as I was but when we were thinking of the trip on the airplane or the tour that we were on or whatever like I would love to have gone on a trip where I could like actually think of what I'm going to do like here we are in Colorado and we're sitting in a boat or whatever um, and so there's all certain things that you have to do. And the reason that you have to do those things is because they're searching for things that could be harmful. They're searching for something that either was intentional or maybe sometimes intentional. I hear people say, oh, I didn't know that gun was in my bag. Like, I'm not sure how that happens, but, but you hear that sometimes like, oh, I didn't know there was a gun in there. I didn't know I had that knife. Um, but they're searching for things that... that could harm you, and so that's why people are going through security or whatever. So what's interesting about the book of Jude, it's kind of like spiritual terrorism. Jude is like, there are terrorists out there, and this guides you in where we talk about sometimes that's intentional, like sometimes people intentionally come in and try to lead you astray or teach you something that is not true for either for their own personal benefit or just because they like to disrupt or cause disorder. But sometimes it happens just because people are naive or ignorant and it's not intentional, but they end up saying something or teaching something that's incorrect. And so that was the, the first half of Jude that we talked about, like, be careful, watch out for false teachers, be careful, um, be wise about who you listen to. And, and, and that was kind of the, the first part. Then we get into the second part here and Jude kind of changes, changes a little bit and he starts talking about, okay, now that you have to be careful about this, now I want to encourage you. Now I want to prompt you. Now I want to, in some ways, prod you a little bit. And we don't always like to be prodded. Like that's not something that we typically enjoy. But he's going to walk through some things. And I think that it's super, super insightful. So starting in verse 17, and it's always tricky for me. Like if you, when you type stuff into you version, so this is one chapter, right? So I'm like, how do you do this? So do you put chapter 1, colon, and then the verses, or do you just put the verses because it is chapter 1? And so I was like struggling with, how do you do this? Like, Brandon, put the first one up there. The, yeah, yeah, see, so I just put Jude 17 through 19, but then I discovered when you, if you're looking on you version, um, I discovered that you can't do that. You actually have to put chapter 1 and then the verses or it won't work. So um, however you choose to do it is, doesn't matter. Um, I don't even know why I told you that. <laughs> so 
In verse 17, he's kind of just recapping. Like he's, he's uh, reviewing what he did in the first part uh, of, the, of the book. And so it says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. So he's like, so as he's writing, he's like, we're in, the, we're in the last times. And so we actually still, so today is the last time. So he's, not only was he encouraging people who are reading then, he's encouraging people who are reading now. So this is still talking to us, not to just to them. Um, then it says in verse 19, in the, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people um, devoid of the spirit. So he's like, just be careful. Let me remind you one more time. Just be careful because sometimes whether it's intentional or unintentional, people will lead you astray. So just make sure that you're actually following Jesus. So that's kind of what he's reminding us. And then he says, he starts off by saying, let me give you four things for your soul. And so in the next part, in verse 20, he's going to give us four things for our soul. So now he's like, he's going to dive in and start encouraging us. He's going to dive in and start prompting us. He's going to dive in and start like propping us up. And so he's like, okay, I know I was like, Watch out, watch out, be careful, be careful, but now let me give you four things for your soul. And actually, when we look at it, it'll be interesting because technically it's actually just one thing and then the three other things show you how to do that, but I'll show you that in just a minute. Verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, okay, so that's one thing, and praying in the Holy Spirit, two, keeping yourselves in the love of God, three, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So in those two verses, he's like, I'm just going to encourage you. Look at these four things that will feed your soul, that will propel you, that will grow you. Here's four things. And so the very first thing um, in verse 20, it says, Build your faith. So it's just like any other uh, physical thing that we have to do. Building your faith, there's some principles, there's some techniques, there's some things that you can do to build your faith. Just like if you're trying to build your body, you know, like you can't eat junk food all the time. Well, some of you can because it's just like, I don't know how you do that, but, but don't eat junk food all the time. Do a little exercise. Like instead of drinking Diet Coke all the time, drink water. See, now I'm preaching to myself, not just to you. Um, but there's like some things that you can do. So when he says build up your faith, he's like, people know this is what he's talking about. And so there's a, there's a bunch of things. I'll just mention a few. Worship builds your faith. Okay, so there's a reason why. I mean, and there's, it's multifaceted, but there's a reason why we get together and we worship Okay, because it builds up your faith. And may I just mention this morning that you actually were worshiping really good. Like, way to go. Good job. Like, I want to just encourage you and prompt you. Like, it's more than just, okay, I got to come and listen to some songs. Like, that's not the purpose. The purpose is for us to grow in our faith. And here's what we're tempted to do, okay? I'll talk about myself instead of talking about you. Here's, but here's what I'm tempted to do at times. I just, I don't like that song. Like, I, I can't worship because I don't like that song. And internally, it's kind of a whiny voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a little bit of a whiny voice. It's just, I can't worship. The song is, it just doesn't do anything for me. But that's not the point. 
The point is, when we begin to recognize that God has rescued us, like he came after us, he loved us, he provided a way out for us, then, okay, it may not be your personal preference. When you get in your car, you can turn to whatever radio station you want. But let's worship together. And you guys did such a great job today. Like, I just want to commend you. Like, when we get in here, like, I know I can't sing very I say can't sing very well. I can't sing well at all. But, like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's not the point. The point is we grow when we worship privately, but we also grow when we worship corporately. So when we worship together, like, let's go after it hard. Let's actually, let's try to do something when we worship. It's like, let's do this together. And so I just want to encourage you in that a little bit. Another thing that we can do to build up our faith is to study, like just, uh, and there's multiple ways to do that. And I just want to encourage you, like one of the things, Tori mentioned uh, the class that's coming up in the next two weeks. Like we're going to uh, talk about what does it mean for you to grow as the disciple, as a disciple? What does that look like? What are some strategies that you can use? How can you do that? And so when, when we're looking here in Jude and it says build your faith, so you can worship. You can study. Another component is, is fellowship, like when you're spending time with other believers and you're hanging out. So if you're not in a community group, I just want to encourage you, like, you can check that off on the back of your card and somebody can send you some information about a group that's near you or maybe you need a specific day that works better for you. But it's really good to hang out with people. And uh, I learn, personally, I learn a lot from spending time with people in my community group. Like, and I'll just, can I be frank, and they'll, the people who are in my group, they're going to whine about this later, but there are days when I'm like, I'm just going to be straight with you. There are days when I'm like, crap, it's Wednesday. I don't want to go to group. I don't have time for this. I'm tired. I would rather go do something else. But every single time, even those times when I have a bad attitude, every single time afterwards, I'm like, I'm really glad that I went. Like, it helped me. And so I just want to say thank you to my group because you helped me a lot. So we've got worship, we've got study, we've got fellowship. And then there's just the practice of obedience. Like, okay, when you read scripture and it says this is the way that we should live or this is what we should do. So just being obedient is something that's important. So the first part of what Jude is telling us is build yourselves up. The second part, it says pray in the Holy Spirit. So you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not sure what that means. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Like, I've heard people talk about that in different ways. I'm not sure what that really means. I want to give you a really uh, uh, simple yet practical example of what Jude is talking about when he says pray in the Holy Spirit. And the best way that I know how to describe it is like this. I have a glove, which we don't typically use in Austin. Um, I wish I would have had these uh, a couple of days ago when I was in Denver and it snowed. I wish I would have had these. I did not. I was a dumb Texan and didn't take the proper clothes. Um, If I have this glove and I say to the glove, glove, (laughs) I say, glove, wave. Is it going to wave? I mean, I could do it like this, but it's still like, If I said glove, point, is it going to point? I mean, I could do like this, or I could do like, oh, no, I won't do that. (laughs) Um, Like glove, make a fist. Is it going to make a fist? No. Like it's just a glove. And so when Jude says pray in the spirit, what it's saying is when you have the spirit inside of you, the spirit then guides you. The spirit leads you. As you pray in the spirit, you're not praying for what Bob wants. You're praying for what the spirit wants. And it's like this. And I know this is kind of weird, but it's okay. So this is like the spirit of God. 
Now it's completely different because my spirit of God is inside the glove. Glove wave, glove point, glove make a fist, glove use the other finger. No, don't do that. It's like, so it's like whatever the, whatever the hand says to the glove, that's what it does. So when Jude is talking about in there, pray in the spirit, it's like when you have the spirit of God inside you, it leads you, it prompts you, it guides you in the things that you should pray. And so when he's talking about that, he's like, be in step with God. God gives you the Holy Spirit to lead you, to prompt you, to do those things. And it's like, let the spirit of God guide you, pray in the spirit. So that's what he's talking about there. Um, That was fun, wasn't it? Um, the third thing, keep yourselves in the love. Now, if we were just casually reading this, this might cause us a bit of a problem. Keep yourselves in the love of God makes it on the surface sound like what? You have to do certain things in order to earn God's love, but that's actually not what it's talking about. So I want to make sure that we understand clearly that when it says keep yourselves in the love of God, it's basically saying keep loving God, like keep on doing those things. And so when you look at this, I know that somebody who reads books a lot and is just good at English, and I know who you are. There's three or four of you in the room. You're going to come talk to me later and tell me that I described this wrong. Um, just send me an email. It'll be okay. Um, I'll delete it, but just send it to me anyways. Um, that was somewhat of a joke. Um, Basically, when you look at the original language, what it's talking about here is like it's giving us one thing that we should do. Like there's one verb in there, like do this. And that's what it's saying. So the third thing that we're looking at, keep yourselves in the love. That's what you're supposed to do. The other three things, build your faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, wait on the mercy of the Lord, which you haven't got to yet, is how you do those things. Okay, does that make sense? So the, the thing, the main thing that we're supposed to do, according to Jude in this particular piece of scripture is keep yourselves in the love of God. Remind yourself what it was like when you first fell in love with God. Remind yourself when you realized that God rescued you. Remind yourself when you had that list of sins and there were consequences for your sins and you realized that Jesus came so that you didn't have your list anymore and that you could stand before God. Saying, remember those things, and here's how you do that, and it's those other three, three things. Build your faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Wait on the mercy of the Lord. So it's not like you don't have to work to earn God's love. That's not what it's talking about. And so you ask, if you actually look at agape, so the word there, it's like it's basically sacrificial service, sacrificial love. Remember the sacrifice that he made for you. And then serve God in the same kind of way. When you remember the grace that he offered you, the sacrifice that he made for you, then you make sacrifices to follow him. So that's what it's basically talking about. And the the fourth thing, wait on the mercy of the Lord. This one's really good. Um, We could probably talk about it all day, but we won't. I just want to think about it for just a moment. Wait on the mercies of the Lord. I think what he's trying to remind us of here is that God continues to offer us grace and continues to offer us mercy. And it's like, I wish I was an artist so I could draw this. And I can't draw it. I can't even draw it in stick figures. Let me see if I can. It's like, you're here. You're headed this direction. 
Grace and mercy are here. They're headed this direction. And at the right moment, at the right time, God offers you the amount of grace and the amount of mercy that you need. And then you take another step. And he offers you grace and mercy. And he offers you grace and mercy. And it's like an ongoing thing. Does that make any sense at all? Like, it's like, when you need it, grace. When you need it, mercy. When you need it, grace. That was kind of a good dance, wasn't it? It was like, So, (laughs) focus. Some of you are like, I can't believe that that white boy can't dance. He cannot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Grace and mercy, when you need it, it's there for you. He's like bringing you to that point. He's like, you need grace, yes. You need mercy, yes. When you need it, he's bringing it for you. He's giving it to you. So basically what Jude is doing there is just like, you don't have to fret. Is that a text? I don't know what kind of word that fret. Is that even a real word? You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to have concern because he's offering you grace and he's offering you mercy. Don't freak out. God gives you what you need when you need it at the right time. So that's basically what he's talking about. Then he starts to change gears just a little bit. So as he starts to change gears, he, he kind of is like, I want you to be reminded that sometimes in church, there's different, different kinds of doubters. And he gives us three different types or three different kinds of doubters. And this is what it says in verse 22. It says, and have mercy on those who doubt. So he's like, when you get together and you're hanging out at different seasons, at different times of life, there's going to be people um, either in your community group, in your church. There's going to be people. And he's referring to Christians, okay? He's referring to believers. He's like, there's going to be people who have doubts. And he says, have mercy on them. Be merciful on the people who doubt. And so I just want to quickly walk through a couple of things of some ways um, that you and I can doubt, one simple way is just like a lack of understanding. So there may be, uh, there's some things that you could learn or some ways that you could grow, and that might be one of the reasons why you doubt. Like you just, you need to put in some more time. You need to be discipled. You need to go to the class. <laughs> that was a good plug, wasn't it? But it, it's helpful. Like sometimes we doubt because we lack understanding, okay? So that's one of the ways. So when Jude is saying here, have mercy on those who doubt, because sometimes we just need to help them grow. We need to help them take the next step. And so it's a lack of understanding. Understanding. Sometimes people doubt, and, and he's re- now reminding us of like the earlier part of the chapter that he was writing. Sometimes people doubt because of, of false religion. Like false religion creates doubts. And there's a couple of way, things here. Like I'm going to put atheists in two different groups. Can I do that for us this morning? Like there's the atheist that's like, I just don't think that it's possible. But then there's the atheist that makes it their religion. Okay, there's an atheist that this is their religion and they're going to teach about it. So there's the person who's like, I, it's just, there's just no way that God can be real. But then there's the person who's like, I'm absolutely convinced that God isn't real and I'm going to teach you why this is true. So there's two different kinds there. So I think what we're talking about here is that person can cause us sometimes, let's just be honest. Sometimes maybe that person can like get in your head and cause you to have some doubts. And so what Jude is saying is, when, if you have people in your circles, people in your group, believers who have, who, are, who have been rescued by Jesus, and they've said yes to Jesus, and now they're having doubts because somebody at their workplace or somebody said something, they're like, well, I don't know, that's a good question. It's like, Jude's like, have mercy. 
be merciful, walk with him through this time. It, and he's not saying, you know what he doesn't say? He's like, you stupid fool for doubting. That's not what he says. He's like, we should encourage each other. We should have mercy with each other. We should walk through this. When you have doubts, it's okay to doubt. It's just great when you have somebody to walk with you through your doubts. That's what he's saying. So, so that's one of the ways. Another way it's just through false teaching. Like there's all kinds of things out there that people say that isn't true. There's cults. There's so, so sometimes some of those things cause us to doubt. And then there's another one. Personal disillusionment. Like I know that's a big word for me and you're not used to me using big words, but just stay with me for a minute. Personal disillusionment. Like sometimes something happens. Something happens in your life that causes you to doubt. Here's what's interesting. I want you to know that you're not alone in that. Like when you read scripture, one of my favorite dudes in the, in the scripture is John the Baptist. Like I like this guy. Like if I could go back and be a person or just be with the person and watch them, like I would want to be this guy. Like he was just like, like beard and he's like had all this like weird clothes and he's hanging out and he would just hang out and he would be like, you need to repent now. And he's just like preaching and he's screaming and yelling and he's pumped. This is John the Baptist, right? And he ends up getting to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and it moves him. Because he was preaching about him, and then he gets to have this experience with him. You know what happens when you keep reading scripture? You end up seeing that at one point, John is like, John the Baptist, he's like in a bad place. Like he thinks that he's going to be killed for his faith. And you know what happens? He starts to doubt. And he says, well, Remember, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and he's like, what if this isn't right? What if this isn't true? He doubts it so much that he's like, I need to send word to Jesus and ask if this is really him or if I should be looking for somebody else. That's what he does. He had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and now he's doubting so much that he just wants to know, Jesus, can I ask you one more question? Are you really the Messiah, or should I be looking for somebody else? And so I wonder at times in your life, maybe, or somebody that you know, that something happens, a bad, some bad news at the doctor, a family member gets something, something happens, you lose your job, whatever the case may be, and you start having doubts. This is why it's so important to be involved in community, because now what Jude is saying is have mercy on the people who doubt. Walk with them. And so I just want to tell you this morning, if you're in that place and you have some doubts because somebody told you something that wasn't true or something bad happened to you and you're not really sure what to do, I'm saying, don't worry about having doubts. That's why we're together, so that we can have mercy and walk with each other. And if you have doubts, ask somebody this morning, will you walk with me? It's okay to have doubts. There's another story, and we won't look, look at it very long, but I just want to point it out. There's another story in Mork, Mork, Mork and Mindy. No, in Mark chapter 9, there's another story in Mark chapter 9 about this guy. He has a son that has a couple of problems. He's like has seizures, and he's being tormented by a demon, and he goes to the disciples, and he tells the disciples, hey, my son is messed up, and I need your help. Can you heal him? And so they try their thing, and it doesn't work. And so he's like, I knew I should have went to Jesus first. And so they go to Jesus, and they start having this encounter. This may be one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful encounters in Scripture. 
the man says to Jesus this, Mark chapter 9, but if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, I think, this is just me reading into it, this is Bob, this is not a commentary, this is not a smart guy, this is not somebody who understands everything that goes on in Scripture, this is just me talking, this is my own personal thoughts, okay? I'm reading into this, I get it. I think Jesus is being a little sarcastic when he answers him. So the guy's like, but if you can do anything, and Jesus said to him, if you can, I think Jesus is being sarcastic, I just, I hope that that's true. That gives me comfort in my sarcasm, like it's okay. It's probably not true, I know, but it makes me feel better. But Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then maybe the one piece of scripture that I identify most with. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Like, there's two reasons why I don't get tattoos. And this is going to, this goes together. Stay with me, okay? Number one, I just don't like pain. And number two, I'm cheap. Like, those things are expensive. But if I were to ever get a tattoo, I think I would get a tattoo that said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because there are times when I'm just like, I know I believe, but why do I still have doubts? And Jude is saying, have mercy on each other. Walk with each other through your doubts. Walk with each other through your struggles. That's what Jude is encouraging us to do. So <clears throat> that's something that's really important. So that's one kind of doubter. Number two, the second kind of doubters. So basically... Um, it says in verse 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. So basically what he's talking about here is non-Christians. So he's like, you have relationships with people who don't understand that Jesus is pursuing them, that Jesus has died on a cross for them, that they have sin and there's consequences for their sin. Like they don't understand that. And so what Judas is saying to us is have mercy on those people and snatch them out of the fire. So I'm going to just tell you something. If you're a believer this morning, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you don't have friends in your life who are far from God, you are not living the way that God has told you to live. Like if you're just huddling up with other believers, you're wrong. And Jude says, because there's no way that you can rescue anybody from the fire if, you don't have a, if you're not close enough to them, how are you going to? You have to be at least close enough to them so that you can grab them by the hair and pull them out. And if you don't have any relationships with people who are far from God, you're wrong. Because we like to get into our little holy huddles and hang out and we like to praise Jesus and think that everything's great and we don't have any relationships with people who are far from God. And Jude says, have mercy on those who are far from God and be close enough to them so that you can have a relationship with them and have a conversation with them and you rip them, pull them, rescue them. Like you're not saving them. Jesus is saving them. But you're, you're playing a part in the process and you're helping them get out of the fire. Does that make sense? So, and then the third thing, it says this. To others, show mercy with fear. So the first two, show mercy, show mercy. 
Now he says, show mercy with fear. Why does he say this? Okay? He says, show to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. He's talking about now, so the second one was non-believers. Now he's talking about non-believers, but they're not just non-believers, they're anti-God. Okay? So he's like, still show them mercy, but just be careful. He's like, show them mercy, but with fear. Like, be careful. And so it's okay. So what he's saying is, so then when he says briefly, we'll just look at this briefly. He says, hating even the garment stained by flesh. He's like, they're wearing these nasty clothes of sin. Show mercy on them. Walk with them. Because the person that they are, you should love, not those nasty clothes that they wear. That's what Jude is saying. So, so it's super interesting how it goes there. And then we're going to get to verse 24. And I was tempted to do this. You have no idea how much I was tempted to do this. I was so tempted to do verse 24 and verse 25. You know what I was tempted to do? I was tempted to get up here this morning and just read this over and over and over. And how many ever times I could read it in the amount of time that I have to talk, I was just going to keep reading it. This is good. This is really, really good. And I don't want you to miss this. Look what it says in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... How beautiful is that? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I could just read that over and over and over. Now I'm kind of having regrets because I think I should have done that. Look what it says in verse 25. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. And then it says this, before all time, now, and forever. So let's just, we won't look at it long. We'll just break it down real quick. Jude right here is he's just reminding us, you have hope. Like have you ever been in those moments where you're so stressed, you're so burdened, you're so freaked out that you don't even know what to do? And I know that like, not all of you do this, but maybe when you're by yourself and you're in your car and you just grab the steering wheel and you just start shaking it. You, whatever it is that you do, you start crying, you start hitting, you start yelling, whatever it is that you do in those moments when you're just completely freaked out. Jude is saying, breathe because you have hope. Just take a deep breath. Because you have hope. And he just lays it out for, there, for us. He says, now to him who is able. And if we had time, in which we don't, but if we had time, we could list many, many verses where it talks about him who is able. But I just want to show you one because I think it's really good and it's really cool. Romans 16, verse 25, it just simply says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Like he's able he is able. He's able to do what? Jude tells us one of the things that he's able to do. He's able to keep you from stumbling. He is able to keep you from stumbling. Have you ever actually physically stumbled? Do you know what it's like? I should, I should have asked permission. I know she's in here somewhere. Is it okay to tell the story? You know which story I'm talking about? I didn't think about telling this. One time, I'm telling a story about my wife. I'll probably pay for this later. One time, we went on vacation. We went on vacation. We were in Washington, D.C. With, with our family. It was my wife and, and my kids. And we were on our way to the, like, subway. We are going to go do the tour things or whatever. And I don't know what happened. 
we were walking to the subway and I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I didn't do it on purpose. The kids didn't do it on purpose, but somehow we, anyways, Martha starts stumbling. And have you ever seen a stumble in slow motion? Like, you know, you know what it's like when you're stumbling and you're trying to save it? Like, you're, you're on, you know you're probably on your way down, but you're still trying to save it. And it's like, and each step you get lower and lower, and you think, I can save it, I can save it, I can save it. And so we're walking, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and it's in those moments when you're like, I know I should, what should I do? Like, I don't know. Should I, like, run? Are you okay? Should I laugh? Um, I mean, eventually I'm going to help you up, but, I, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Stumbling is not fun, and the result is not fun. Like, it leaves us scarred. Like, if you, especially if you fall in a bad place, like, you're going to have scar. It's going to be painful. It hurts. She survived. It's okay. She's still alive. But it hurt. Like she tore her jeans. She had cuts on her hands. Like it hurt. Look what it says. He is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able. Just quickly. We, we need to press on. But quickly. Psalm 121. Look what it says in the first eight verses. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? How do I keep from stumbling? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He won't let you trip and stumble. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep, will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It doesn't mean that at times we won't stumble. It doesn't mean that at times we won't get scarred. It doesn't mean that, it won't be, that we won't ever be hurt. But he's going to be there. And when you do stumble, he'll pick you up. He's not going to laugh at you like I did my wife. He's going to be there for you. And then quickly, it says, Jude tells us, and to present you like, this is so, if I could, if you would pay more attention to this, if I cussed before I said it, I, I might do it. Now I have your attention. Look what it says. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To present you blameless. Like, do you realize that there are consequences for your sin? There are consequences for those things that you know that you shouldn't have done. For those thoughts that you know you, that you shouldn't think. For those things that you know you should have done that you didn't do. There's consequences for those. And without God saying, I love you so much that I'm going to find a way out for you. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross to take the payment for your sin. To take the consequences for your list. And he's going to come back to life so that now he can come and he can place you before his glory blameless with joy. Like it's not, oh crap, here's Bob. Okay, I sacrificed for him. He's kind of sort of blameless. Here you go. It's not what it says. 
with joy. He loves you. He sacrificed for you. He's calling you to himself, and he's saying, I did this for you so that I can place you before my glory with joy. Don't you want to be blameless? Don't you want to be without fault? There is only one way to be blameless, and that's through the blood of Jesus. So quickly, look what it says. To the only God and Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. So he's like, bestow upon him these things. And it's kind of weird because it's not like we have these things to actually give him. The only way that we can give them these things is because he gives them to us so that we can give them back. We don't have the ability to give him glory and honor. Those are his, not ours. But he gives them to us so that we can return them back. So now when we talk about worship, you know what it's saying? It's saying give back to God glory, majesty, dominion, and authority because he died for you and you get a chance to give it back. He's going to be there whether you give it back or not. I like Jude. Watch out for false teachers. But let me encourage you, you have hope. Like if you could sum up Jude in one sentence, that's what it is. Watch out because there are false teachers. But don't fret, you have hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for, I thank you for the book of Jude and for what it teaches us. What an incredible encouragement that we should have mercy on each other when we doubt. We should have mercy on those, our friends who don't believe. That we should even have mercy on those who are anti-God. And the reason that we should have mercy on those is because, God, you have had mercy upon us. And so as we continue to pray this morning, I just want to ask you, maybe you came in this morning with lots of doubt. Maybe you came in this morning with lots of blame and guilt. And the only way to move beyond those, the only way to take the next step is through Jesus. Jesus is pursuing you. He's calling you. And he made a way out for you to get rid of your list. That list of things that you don't even really want to tell anybody. Just tell him. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your death on the cross, for the blood that you shed for the forgiveness of my sin so that you could then place me before your glory, blameless. God, I thank you for giving us hope. And I pray this morning for some of us, we would just take a deep breath 
and we would realize that circumstances are just circumstances, but you give us hope. And I pray this morning that we would just be reminded of your glory. That we'd be reminded of your majesty. That we would be reminded of your dominion. That we would be reminded of your authority. You are a righteous and holy God. And in your name we pray. Amen.